Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 46. Give me that new style secular religion. We are broadcasting live, but live for us from the Power of Change Worldwide headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. I am here today live with my co-host, Jesse White Shoes Fury. How are you doing today, brother? <laughs> I'm doing well. Good to be back here in the shed quarters. You know, I was at a, a church in Cape May last week, Cape May, New Jersey. It's the very bottom tip of New Jersey. Very nice town, actually. And there was a guy named Mikey White Shoes who's a street evangelist who mm. kind of got saved through like drugs and prison and all this stuff. And his, his street name, I guess is Mikey white, Mikey shoes. white shoes. And he literally wears white shoes and preaches to drug addicts and, and Atlantic city. Real good dude, man. Knows the whole Bible. I think by heart. Mm. So man. today you are Jesse white shoes. I got the white shoes on. They're hard <laughs> to keep clean. You look good, man. You look good. I got new shoes. These are sketchers slip ons look like slippers. I think, but, uh, I like them. Yeah. Yeah. Comfortable. Read, read, Reedy slippers. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Just got them this weekend and some hiking boots. Nice. Because I had to go on a four-hour hike with my father-in-law that I knew would be serious, and it was going to be muddy, and I had my little Nike slip-on mm. running shoes that I didn't think I saw that cut. on Instagram. Look cool. Yeah, man, we had a, a good few days uh, for Easter. Um, I shameless, shamelessly now have a little more uh, Easter Sunday flexibility that for uh you know 12 years as a yeah. pastor you just you, you're at your church on, that's right on easter sunday as you were you were out hunting um, turkeys out i in the, was uh, uh, you, you you showed a video of turkeys out there yeah yeah we uh we attended uh, worship at a, a, a baptist church okay um and the preacher said i know y'all aren't here to see me i'm like no really i am here to see you i haven't no i'm just kidding i was there because it was easter sunday <laughs> we were in a tourist town and he knew we were all there but we went to church early in the morning, the five of us, Monday and home team, and uh, Casey's parents. And so it was a wonderful Easter morning. And then we, we did go hiking late that afternoon in the mountains, Smoky Mountains. Beautiful out there. Yeah, it was, man. And I've got a friend that wants to kill every turkey he sees. What's up? <laughs> Shout out to Jeff Patton. So I linked him on Facebook. So he, You didn't kill any of those turkeys, though, I've did never, you? I've never killed anything. Mm. I, I don't shoot stuff. Um, I, I guess I've killed some crabs as a kid. We went crabbing. Uh, in Norfolk, Virginia. You wouldn't go kill some crabs? Kill some crabs. Well, you just go throw a chicken neck in a pot yeah. and pull them up pull and, them up and, and, and cook them to death. <laughs> <laughs> Turn them red and eat You want to go cook some crabs to death? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But my son made a knife, so it made us feel like we were in the British oh, yeah. British, British uh, criminal underground because they knife people over there. They don't, they're not allowed, allowed to have guns in the UK. So, yeah, we made made some knives. It was really a good good trip. That's awesome. Easter Sunday back here. How was it for you guys? Oh, it was great. It was great. We uh, we had a great service, great couple services at Valley Bible Church. A lot of good visitors. A lot of you know, it was just a fun time together. A lot of uh, you know, life. We do a Good Friday service. That's that's very very focused. It's it's really kind of a lamenting service. Yeah, yeah. And so to come back around on Sunday morning after the uh, closing Friday night commemorating the death of jesus in solemnity yeah and And then coming together on sunday was just joyful fun it was fun awesome awesome it was fun you know i i had a uh i have some friends uh that they call (laughs) we have some groups on a a, uh what's it called it's in kind of encrypted secure chat app called signal i don't know if you guys are familiar with signal if you don't like whatsapp or facebook messenger or all the people that stalk you and to send you ads signal was founded i think by the original whatsapp people who left and now have this secure app. So we have a couple groups on there. One is just for soccer chat, and the other one is called the Jacob's Well Diaspora. It's like people who used to be in New Jersey <laughs> together. We're all still friends, and uh, we were on there 
uh, chit-chatting a little bit uh, this week. I don't know why I brought that up, but oh yeah, one of the guys on there was wondering, do we have to celebrate Easter? You know, and the you know pagans' origins of Easter eggs and bunnies and all that stuff. And we had a good, uh, had a good chat there. I was like, well, celebrating the resurrection is not wrong. We should do that every every day, every but, Sunday. But certainly a punctuated calendar structure of it. I'm not against that. I actually like the Christian liturgical year. I think it's pretty helpful to kind of structure our lives a little bit on on things and birth celebrations and death and resurrection celebrations uh, until uh, kingdom come when we Amen. have the ultimate wedding feast celebration Amen. there. Yeah. How's life been for you? It's been good, man. It's been good. It's been interesting. I, I had a great time in New Jersey um, with my friend Bill Lackey and their church revolved church. Shout out to those crew. I did a marriage deal. I love talking about marriage. I like being married too. Um, thankfully those two for me go yeah. to bed teaching on it and liking being married. Uh, being married harder than teaching on it, um, the idealism and the beauty of the, the the archetypes and theology of marriage in the Bible is wonderful, uh, but living it's different. So we even structured the event, you know, the, a biblical theology of marriage on Friday night, and then we called it marriage on Mondays uh, when we mm. went from the theology to kind of the pavement of kind of living out the marriage covenant together. So I liked that, and it was good to come home to my family and. Yeah, it was good. Good, and then go away for a few days. I actually took four days off and didn't work at all, which was Ooh. really good for me. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> I even left. I left my devices. I just took a phone. Um, so it was. Um, it was. It was good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, we. Uh, I here's here's the big to do in my life. My four wheel drive locked up in my in my car. Locked up meaning like it doesn't it, work it, anymore. Well, it went it went in the it went it, it went in the four wheel drive high constantly. Like oh. I couldn't get out of it. Is that like rev it up really? Kind of yeah, crazy? yeah. So I, I you know I I take this the the uke we yeah, call yeah, it the, yeah. the Yukon. We take it everywhere. I give my Bonhoeffer house guys rides everywhere. We're driving around a four wheel drive and and I couldn't figure out how to fix it. I take it into the shop. They call me and they say he says Jesse we figured out what's wrong. He explains it. He said, but don't worry, I got it into two-wheel drive, so you can come pick it up now while you decide what you're going to do with it. I said, oh, that's great. Can you, just in case it happens to me, how do you, how'd you do that? <laughs> and he said, well, so what you do is you, uh, you have someone bang on the motor with, the, with a hammer while you're pressing it into two-wheel drive. <laughs> I won't charge anything for that. <laughs> so I'm driving around with a hammer in my car right now. And you're going to actually do this. You're going to smack your own engine and push the button. Well, there's like it's like a motor for the little uh oh, yeah, it's like okay. a like a actuator motor for the four-wheel drive. Not your actual transfer block case or motor. That's right. Yeah, don't just bang around yeah. wherever you bang around at in there, but it shows how uh, much I know about yeah, cars. I know nothing about cars. <laughs> no, so I will do that if it happens again before I get it fixed. Awesome. So I'm sure it came yes. with a price tag. And no, it was a small town, man. He said, hey, I said, well, what do I owe you for that? He said, oh, it's, it's fine. You know what I mean? He knows like, you're right. coming back. Yeah, he knows I'm coming back. He's a good a mechanic. You need a good mechanic whenever you move. Yeah. That's a tip for you young folks out there. Move to a town, find a good doctor, find a good mechanic. Well, that's right. Hey, we're going to get started. All right. I'm, I'm opening this up here. This you is are. fun. This you is are. fun. So, uh, so from time to time, we do this segment called In or Out. Where one of us will ask the other one. We'll give you. I'll give you kind of a rundown here of of different things that are maybe more pop culture or cultural things going on. And I'm going to ask you, Reed, to go in or out. If you go in, you're going to talk about it. You're going right. to give me your opinion. If you go out, uh, then I will let you go out, and you don't have to talk about it. This is so binary. I want to be wishy washy on some of these. Yeah, you are either in or out. <laughs> uh, although you could go in. To talk about how you're not binary about something, I guess. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So question number one: in or out. NBA playoffs or NHL playoffs? 
Okay. Are you asking me if I choose to watch these things? <laughs> or neither. Okay. Um, I would say NBA playoffs. My son is a huge NBA fan. I, I don't know why. And so he tells me every day what DeMar Rosen did or what, you know, LeBron, of course, is not in the playoffs. He did la- last year. He was a huge Cleveland fan, still is, but they're terrible. So, yeah, yeah. I know that Dame, somebody. You, you heard about the Dame Lillard uh, the Dame buzzer Lillard, beater? Yeah, step back three near the step logo back, or something. Yeah, 37 so. foot three pointer at the buzzer. Yes, I, I'd say NBA over NHL, although I do have some friends in New Jersey who are super hockey people who mm. introduced me to the Winter Classic. Shout out uh, the Faber family, um, which was a, a wonderful experience, but I don't do the hockey, except they'd actually fight. It's a sport. I would take a hockey guy to a fight with me. Maybe yeah. not a knife fight in U- the UK, but certainly a real fight in, down them streets. That's right. There were fights. You know, There were fights in the NHL playoffs, and there were fights in the NBA playoffs, but the fights in the NBA playoffs... They're almost fights. They're almost fights. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a lot of I'm gonna hit you. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's all posture for a moment. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. they throw the gloves off and they like Ovechkin knocks somebody I was out. Wa- we were watching that. I was watching, watching that, that game. game. I saw oh, that yeah. as a highlight. I was like, oh, he just knocked him out. He was out. That little dude shouldn't have stepped to that. Okay. No, all right. No, <laughs> don't step to Ovi. Uh yeah, I'm in NBA playoffs. I'm in there too, although tonight I'm gonna be NHL playoffs because the Capitals are gonna win game seven. Uh all right. So next up, Game of Thrones. Are you in or out? Can can Christians watch and enjoy Game of Thrones? Well, um, they can, but whether they should or not, I am going to stay out on next next topic. <laughs> okay, out on that one. All right, next up, uh, in, in uh, Avengers Endgame. Will you see it opening weekend? It's like thirty six hours away, right? It, this weekend is opening weekend. Yeah, yeah, I I I will not see it opening uh, weekend. you'll miss it. I'm uh, I'm going to be in Fort Worth running an assessment conference with Acts 29. Oh, just dip out for a few hours, and my kids, four hours my or kids, so. Well, I guess I could see it more than once. I could see it by myself mm. and then see it with That's my children again. That's a little bit sad, again. though. That's a lot of money commitment. Yeah. You know? Okay. All right, but you're in on Avengers Endgame. Oh, yeah, man. We're we're in on Marvel. I've been clear on this podcast uh, and everywhere about <laughs> <laughs> my opinions on Marvel Comics versus uh, DC Comics, so we'll definitely be in. You got any theory about how they, how they how they... How they reconstitute How they re- them? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe the quantum realm where Ant-Man got lost okay. or something. Okay. That's my guess. Something. I have a theory, but I'm not getting in. I'm out on my theory <laughs> right now. Uh, all right. So in or out, uh, Easter worshipers. Recently, you, I think President Obama, uh, Barack Obama uh, tweeted something out. It was kind of maybe picked up here or there throughout the uh, a lot of folks in the Democratic Party tweeted out their support for the Easter worshipers who were uh, attacked in Sri Lanka. Are you okay with being called an Easter worshiper? Um, this is one that you, you, you know, in this segment, it's hard not to make jokes because we're kind of in this in or out segment. But the occasion for this discussion was people getting murdered, right. which, is, which is horrible. Hundreds. Just hundreds of people getting blown up while they were worshiping on Easter. So if I want to give the benefit of the doubt to those who use this phrase, I think what they were trying to say, so I'm in on this, um, was that people who were worshiping on Easter, but the construction chosen was just bizarre. But then it was used by like so many, I saw like 15 tweets, mostly from uh, the left or progressive side of things politically, calling saying Easter worshipers and tourists were killed. Um, so no, I don't like the term Easter worshipers. My, my Jacob's well diaspora groups that my friend who didn't want to be an Easter worshiper would not like this phrase. Um, yeah, I mean, these were Christians in church, yep. uh, which was seem, seemingly like people didn't want to say that. 
Um, but that's what it was. So it was a little weird. Um, so thinking the best like we should do, I think um, President Obama was trying to say people worshiping on Easter, but he chose this phrase that everybody ran with. It made it seem crazy. And so I'm not an Easter worshiper. I'm a, a worshiper of Jesus. Certainly on Easter, I think it's a great time to worship the risen Christ and celebrate his resurrection there. Great answer. Great answer. Okay, in or out. Uh, do you identify as an evangelical? Now, I'm going to give a little background here. Uh, in recent, there's been a couple of recent uh, surveys and articles about how uh, one LifeWay put out research that uh, 45%, only 45% of those who identify as evangelical strongly hold to evangelical beliefs. And then also we've seen, uh, this just came out like, yesterday that uh, Trump president Trump's approval rate is at 69% for white evangelicals compared to 40% for all other people uh, in light of these things. And you can identify as whatever you want these days. So do you identify <laughs> as, do you still identify as an evangelical in or out? Um, I'm going to go in on this. I, I, it depends who I'm talking to. I mean, if someone in a theological context, maybe if I'm away taking my forever seminary degree classes mm. and somebody wants to talk about evangelicalism as a thing, which I don't really think it can be a thing, but in terms of a set of beliefs, a set of assumptions, theological vision, I got no problem with, you know, identifying in certain contexts as that. But it, as the whole in my life, I don't identify like that. I have not for years, actually because it's a, such an easily misunderstood term. So I don't want to be uh, caricatured or stereotyped or labeled by people when they think the term evangelical means simply a political shtick role in society. So I dropped it a long time ago because I wanted to be able to explain clearly in my own terms what, what we were as a church, say, in the northeastern United States and New Jersey. I wanted to be able to say, here's what we are, what we're not, what we're for, what we're not for, and how we want to have. Because I think posture is also important in how you hold certain things. Like there could be people I might agree with on certain theological beliefs, but the way they stand in society... I find either offensive or unhelpful to act the actual cause that we may both support. Right. So um, I, I typically would say no. Um, but if somebody wanted to say, well, you know, do I believe certain beliefs that maybe Barna or whoever's doing surveys would say are evangelical beliefs, like the, 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 the truthfulness and reliability of, of Holy Scripture, like the Bible, that Jesus was crucified and risen for our sins, substitutionary atonement, these kinds of Jesus literally bodily rose from the dead. Those types of things proclaimed amongst the world. Apostles Creed, all that. Yes, I would say I believe that stuff. So got it. All right. You're <laughs> in on that. A great answer. Yeah. You know, I think I, I think we, you, we were in, you and I are in agreement here that evangelical doesn't mean. Well, who knows what it means? It's a other blobby than, term. Uh, other than at this point, it's a, imprecise, easily misunderstood. Yeah. And so for me, those terms kind of they lose their usefulness. Yeah, there was a time where some would say that I think it was David Bevington had his four. Uh, the four marks of an evangelical were conversionism. I'm doing this off off the brain, so yeah, if I get it I'm wrong, not going to be able to help you. But okay, I, I know okay. that was so one of them. Conversionism <laughs> that there's a, a commitment to personal salvation and and bringing the gospel to people so they could believe. Yeah, activism that originally wasn't political activism, but was the activism of sending missionaries. Right, that, that right. the evangelicals were committed to. We've got to get people out there to to be active in sharing the gospel. Uh, biblicism. So a belief in the inerrancy of the scripture, standing on the scripture, and then 
I think the last one is a cruciform or cruciocentrism. Centrism. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that, that Christ yeah. is central. Now, uh, as that life way, which we'll link to in the show notes, research shows, uh, those things are no longer held by the majority of evangelicals. And so what does it even mean? It may be a political movement to them. Who knows? Yeah. All right. So finally, last in or out. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, Preachers and Sneakers. It's a bit of a viral Instagram account. Are you looking right now? Are you I, in or out on this? <laughs> I have not been on the Instagram account, but I did see someone commenting on one of the entries, I believe. It was like some Carolina Blue Nikes or something. Yeah, like $700 Nikes. Yeah, something like that. And, and you know, taking pictures and zooming in on these things. And uh, so tell me about this before I go in on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, okay, what so so we don't, nobody knows who started this. Someone started a, an Instagram Instagram account where they were they're putting a picture of pastors preaching in uh, from usually from the church's website or you know, something like video that video or something, yep. yeah. and then they're they're split screening it and in the split screen <laughs> they're showing how much those shoes cost uh, usually on a reselling uh, app a reselling website because most of those the shoes that they're featuring limited are sh- run limited run so yeah. they they were one hundred eighty dollars but the the thousand of them that sold out in a minute and so now you have to spend nine hundred dollars for them or whatever Ah. so so you'll see uh uh uh, you know the pastor i don't i'm uh, should i name names well these are these have to be wealthy pastors if they're buying nine hundred dollar sneakers right right so how maybe i should ask you this how much is too much to pay for a pair of shoes you know there's many things were those sketchers two hundred dollars four hundred dollars there's uh i'll tell you how much they were uh there are many things in life that i feel are spectrum oriented issues i mean there's a there's a spectrum from good to bad or from five dollars to five thousand dollars and where you fall in those things matters but the precision of the range which is acceptable and unacceptable is difficult to come by I think we have to leave it there. It's like, okay, how much should a minister make money-wise? You ask some churches like that, and they're starving out pastors, and you ask others, they're buying $900 sneakers maybe. So so spectrum issue first. That's what I'd say with my kids. <laughs> this is a spectrum issue. So some people are going to fall different places that are, I think, okay. Um, so I can only speak for myself. Now, for me, a $900 pair of sneakers is beyond what uh, I would suggest anybody pay for a pair of sneakers. Now, some people, it's their thing, man. Say, like, say someone gifts you a, a pair of uh, retro Jordans. They got that <laughs> Carolina blue. They're worth $900. What do you do with them? Me personally? You personally. Oh, I sell them right okay. away. Okay. I absolutely sell them. Okay. Uh, as long as it's okay with the giver. Yeah, thank you can for I, the shoes. Can I, can I, I will be selling Can these. I sell these to someone who would yeah. love them and appreciate yeah. them, and I could do something else with this money? Um, so, yeah, but sneakers aren't my thing. I know there are some folks that get, uh, they buy sneakers in duplicate. They they get, I have a friend that, that that taught me about this. They buy one pair and they buy another pair to keep on ice. So you just put it on ice in their, their, their shoe mm. closet. They got a shot. Uh, the, the walk-in closet is for the dude in this sense where they have their two pairs of Jordans. Keep it on ice. Yeah, keep it on ice. Keep it nice because you want to wear one and keep one in pristine so you're a collector, that kind of mm. thing. So I, I acknowledge that there, there are just certain sneakers that are expensive and that's their thing so they want to do it. So personally, I don't do that. Um, I'm not a shoe guy. I'm you not a clothing you guy. A, you don't have a second pair of those Skechers on ice, No, do you? these Skechers are $54. <laughs> um, okay. You know, so, yeah, so I'm not going to be spending too much money on, on shoes or fashion 
Although I have gotten really into a certain uh, men's essentials brand called Mac Weldon, MacWeldon.com, very nice, like you know, silver oriented, like, like silver fibers, antimicrobial in their underwear stuff. <laughs> so my exp- my most expensive clothes, nobody will ever see. <laughs> see, you're safe. You're except, safe, except my lady, my girlfriend. Okay, I'm, married to you. <laughs> I'm going out. <laughs> All right, all right. That, there we go. Another successful in or out. Oh, yeah. uh, thank you for all those ones you went in on. Maybe I'll follow up and make you go in on Game of Thrones another time. No, I can't do it. <laughs> uh, well, hey, man, we got a fun topic today. But before we get there, I, I want to give you an update because I haven't done this in person. I have a friend who's a, a, a jazz musician who does piano lessons but also plays gigs in, like, New York City. Wonderful guy, Michael Bond. Shout out to Michael Bond. Um, I told you this already that we're, he's working on a jingle for us for our reviewish set. It's not a review. We're not that into it. Um, It may make it for post-production editing on this episode, but it is coming very soon. And I'm telling you what, it's it's very fun. It's very good. And I'm very thrilled that we're actually uh, paying a classic... Uh, le- or very well-trained uh, high-end jazz musician to do our review. All show, right, song, Michael Bond. Yeah. Now, I spent some money on that. All Not right. Not sneakers, but yeah. Michael Bond, his business, his uh, piano skills, his lyrical uh, abilities. We're um, not going to leave that I piano mean, on ice. No way. We're going to use that thing in the world. Well, our main topic of today uh, is is kind of fun. You know, give me that old-time religion. I was thinking about that sitting in a Baptist church on Easter Sunday. And I wanted to think and talk a little bit today, Jesse, about that new style, secular religion. So I want to start with a question for you uh, today. Do you think no religion or someone who claims to be agnostic or atheist or expressively secular, do you think that they have a religion or do you feel like they are neutrals in this world? Where do you land on that question? Oh, I don't think anyone's neutral. Um. So, uh, you know, what does it take to, for something to be a religion? There needs to be some kind of, uh, some kind of worship, some kind of temple, some kind of, uh, um, offering. And, and I do think that there's no way around that. Right, right. So, there's some sort of devotion, some sort of philosophy, creed, maybe. That's right. Some yeah, sort of maybe a liturgy, something that orients their yeah. their affections and their finances and their hopes, and uh, and there's some so there's someone dispensing of the knowledge and someone just dis, you know giving them the health and yeah. Uh, so I don't think there's any way to avoid it. This but is, I, I wouldn't want to disrespect someone in the sense of uh, I'd want to have that conversation with them to really surface some of that. Right. Stuff, There's but. an interesting conversation, say, in the free thought community or the atheistic community um, that they're not religious and can't be by definition. But at the same time, there's another part of that community that's been having, let's say, say in the United Kingdom, where they're having like services where you read like Thoreau, you sing some, you know, maybe some Beatles songs, but you kind of have this form of church because it's kind of a post-Christendom hmm. kind of culture. So it's an interesting question, and some will resist being called a religion, but I'm saying that new time secular religion is a religion. In other words, secularism in Western civilization has the forms of religion. And now some would say, well, you don't have a God. Well, there are things that people would call a religion, say, for instance, Theravada Buddhism. Um, There's two major forms of Buddhism, Theravada Buddhism and Mahayana Buddhism. One is kind of theistic sounding, Mahayana Big Raft. Uh, They have some sort of idea of God or a God. Um, maybe some deification of the Buddha. 
Uh, but Theravada Buddhism is, is uh, you know, completely agnostic to the question of gods or gods. And so, but we would still probably say certain forms of Buddhism that are non-theistic would still be called like a religious philosophy or even Confucianism. So it gets a little murky, uh, but because there are certain forms that you mentioned, I th- think I agree with. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you that question, but I, li- <laughs> I liked your answer. I do think there are, uh, there is a formation of a secularism in Western civilization that is taking the form of a religion and, I would add, a very dogmatic one. Now, the word dogmatic has kind of got a bad rap, right? Um, because today, if you say, or if I were to say to you, hey, that guy's really dogmatic, what would you take me to mean? Oh, they're very intense with uh, a narrow list of kind of religious rules, maybe. Yeah, yeah, like very tight, tight. Very- Got to do it this way. Braided belt is cinched tight. Shirt is tucked in. Yeah, there's only one. Yeah, so dogmatism. It actually comes from the word dogma, which is the teaching of a religious truth, right? So in the in the you know throughout Western civilization, religious dogma wasn't seen as like you know some terrible thing. It was like, what is the teaching, right? What is the teaching? Of course, now we've created pop cultural memes that are funny that like my karma ran over your dogma or something like that. Um, and that maybe is a, a creed of uh, secularism. So, but I do think there are certain dogmas or truths that are emerging in this new style secular religion. And I've, I've just got a few of uh, the things that might make up some of the creed. And you can tell me if you agree with these or not. Uh, first one is the absolutizing, the absolutizing of human freedom. Okay, and this particularly spills over into sexuality, right? Um, and a certain view of tolerance, right? That we shouldn't be dogmatic. We should, we should have our karma running over our dogma. And then the other one that I wanted to add here is scientism, that our uh, only sources of knowledge are maybe things that we can study through science or rationality. Um, so what do you think about the absolutizing of human freedom? Certainly in the West, I think this is a, a cherished, assumed, held belief. I completely agree. You know, I think that uh, the idea of the autonomous individual expressionism, this idea of uh, I have to, and really, it, we 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 we've dogmatized it in our culture so much that to to tell someone else what they are or what they ought to do is like it's like the most you're arrogant. Thing. Yeah, you're a bad person for yeah, doing that. Yeah. And I think in sexuality, we're seeing it obviously in the discussions of gender and wh- what we identify as. Uh, well, our gender transcends our biology, these kinds of things. But also, like, you know, one of the real controversial subjects that evangelicals, mm-hmm. both the political kind probably and, and the theological kind, have discussed in detail and protest and, and want to change laws related to is abortion. And how we talk about, you can't tell me what to do with my body. That is a statement, right, of a of freedom to which others would say, well, what, what about the other body? Or what about freedom being limited by law? Well, then it comes in our society, well, who makes the law? And I think that's where the absolutizing of freedom yeah, it leads to a breakdown and probably the lawlessness in the end of things. But I think we're committed to it. And tolerance, you know, if, if we're to say someone should be tolerant today, what, what, what are we meaning in a broad cultural sense today, Jesse? Yeah, you know, the, uh, yeah, the tolerance culturally is, I think, uh, and I think you pointed this out in the past, there's some hypocrisy to the tolerance because 
what it means is uh, we have to be, uh, well, really, I demand tolerance from you, but I won't extend the same tolerance that I demand from you. Right, right. And, uh, and so, the, yeah. I think, I think what you just said will, will demonstrate here in a moment that it is a dogma because if, if you are intolerant, we will now, as a society, treat you as a heretic. Right. And in the old days, they used to burn those folks. So that's a bad thing. You don't want to be intolerant today. And certainly uh, the the trust of the human enterprise, right? I'm just saying scientism uh, because the source of knowledge. Now, this is going to be interesting because I think we still have a high trust of the way we prove things, at least in the news, well, these studies show that bacon is good for you. These studies show that bacon will rot your stomach out and give you colon cancer. I read a colon cancer bacon article this past week. It discouraged me. Um, <laughs> but it's still a source of authority. But I, I see some coming troubles with that that we'll maybe get to here. In a, in a I'm glad bit. that you included scientism in this dogma section. I, I've been uh, reading recently some uh C.S. Lewis and and, uh, and in particular Lewis expressed this concern for uh, he actually likened the rise of science he said science and magic back in mm. the late medieval times were were really like uh, uh, in a battle for supremacy that the magicians the the black mat the people practicing witchcraft and magic uh, were really what 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 Francis Bacon and the and the those following him and the and and more of the um, empirical sciences. They're both they're both trying to take natural elements and put them to use right. uh, for power, and that uh, that the ascendancy of the science, kind of the you know the empirical science, is um, isn't really yeah it it it, it led to um, it's not an evil thing it's a good thing right we, right we, right we, a it, triumph it, over superstition right but yeah. what it also led to is an is a dogmatic trusting in this sort of machinate ma- the machine the yeah, machine just yeah. works and and then it, those who wield the power of understanding the the way the machine works are the people we look to and we go tell us yeah tell us tell us tell us whether thou bacon thou shall eat it or not right and then and then and then uh virtue is now no longer about uh learning and and growth and formation it's really about uh adherence to the dogma and uh and controlling Using using the natural wor- world for uh, for our own use, you right. know, using it for our own benefit, and certainly like when we watch science fiction or even science faction right now or science reality, a lot of what we're even what we're doing today would have been seen as magic by people in, right. in past generations, which is fascinating indeed. Um, but scientism, scientism, the only sources of true knowledge and authority come from our empirical investigation of the world. There are no others, and that that to me becomes problematic. And if you uh, you know if you abstain from that view, maybe you're going to be a heretic too. Well, that leads us, Jesse. You you even hinted to it to the priesthood. Who do we mm. look to? Who do we look to now? Uh, and who, again, who wears the white robe? <laughs> who these wears days? the 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 cap and the mm. leads the procession? Now this is interesting. Um, because I think this, we have a multiplicity of priests in our society. Um, I think science still has that view. At least they think they should hold that view. 
Um, you, they're always decrying the scientific ignorance in American society, which I think is a problem. Um, I, I, I was an undergraduate major in applied computer science and physics, so I was around science people all the time. And they were like, the, the average American person is just very ignorant of science, and so there was their job to educate the poor huddled masses, bring down the Ten Commandments of the truth down from the mountain, so to speak. So I do think that scientists are looked to, hey, as authorities, part of the priesthood, I also think therapists, this may be odd to put in there, this is my opinion, I think therapists have been exalted because what happens if you have someone get shot somewhere in a school or something? Well, we bring in the grief counselors, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to help us. They're going to make it, help us make it through. And then I, I would also add into that um, maybe pop cultural icons, celebrityism, and entertainers, hmm. um, and maybe maybe even a podcast people uh, on political spectrums hmm. le- leading the masses as well, or maybe yeah. maybe Joe Rogan. Um, so yeah. scientists and therapists, scientists are going to help give us the truth. Therapists will help us heal ourselves. And th- and this is maybe bridging the gap between scientists and therapists. Which, by the way, we're not anti scientists. No, we're for we're yeah. for that's them. right. Yeah. We're for them. Uh, now, them being the priesthoods of all, in all authority of how we get the truth and how you heal thyself, then maybe, maybe we're, we're not. Yes. yes. Uh, Stanley Hauerwas, in his book on uh, suffering, and I, I'm going to figure this out by the end of the podcast, what the name of that book is. Uh, he, he talks about how the medical industry is also like the priesthood. So yep. even using this idea of they and, come in with the white robes, they dispense information. You actually have no idea if what the doctor's telling you, you don't know. It's like special knowledge to you. And then they, they give you, you offer them your money. They give you the, the, um, the things that cure you. And then you go and you get cured. Now I love doctors. I want to go to the doctor, but it's an interesting picture of the implicit trust that we have that this person with their knowledge and their, their position is dispensing the truth and dispensing you know, right, help. And, right. and then we then make our offering at the altar and That's we walk right. out, you know, hoping for the best. And we, and then we uh, listen to their commercials on TV uh, and the companies that make gazillions of dollars on that, that'll tell you, uh, Oh, Tesla will heal you of whatever yeah. it will. Um, it does work by the way. Mike, yes, it does. My kids sing these, uh, pharmaceutical commercials <laughs> all the time. Now, very clear. We're for science. We're yeah. for good therapy and counseling and we're for doctors. But there's a move that happens, right, when it becomes the ultimate reality lies with these folks. And if you dissent of anything they say or you think maybe there's other paths to healing or truth or knowledge, uh, then you might be labeled one of them heretics. Is it the book Naming the Silences, maybe? Not it? No, I will find it. Okay. Yeah, keep rolling. I'll, I'll bring it back up. All right, cool. All right, so dogma, the priesthood. We have a priesthood. What about cathedrals, right? Uh, one of the things that was discussed in the last month was certainly... Uh, the arson committed against um, African-American churches in Louisiana, uh, as well as the the fire at Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, France. And uh, I felt like the comparisons or the using of these two events against one another that I saw on social media is atrocious. And personally, I saw people decrying both and raising money for both, which I think uh, is the is the right move. But cathedrals, right, the place we go for worship, for the receiving of knowledge even, um, is an important part of religion. Now, some religious philosophies or actual uh, belief in God type religions have sacred shrines, sacred cathedrals, maybe that you go on pilgrimage to. And I think 
there's clearly uh, some secular cathedrals in our culture as well. I think we treat certain educational institutions that way. Uh, I think certain entertainment aspects in secular culture, sports places. I remember being at the top of Lane Stadium. I had taken my two youngest kids just this past year to run in the fall. Uh, we were, you know, they were running stairs because they're trying to be athletes and get it, get it done. And so we're trying to teach them how to work hard. And we got up to the very top and my kids are like, wow, this is a lot of people that would sit in here. And they go nuts for 20-year-old young men running around with a ball. Mm. Um, and my son said, it, it's kind of like worship. I was like, wow, this, my, my son just had some insight into yeah. the human conditions. I was proud and all that. So like, yes, son, this is a cathedral. And when you think about it, though, these places are places of worship. And certainly we do have our cathedrals that maybe the school you want your kid to go to college to, uh, where they would receive some, uh, uh, vestiges of knowledge and privilege and things in culture and certainly uh the entertainers and the tv shows and the news channels people enshrine these things i think in their own lives and hearts today yeah it's interesting i was thinking about this recently because uh on sunday morning um i'm not much of a hand raiser <laughs> right <laughs> uh, my elbows stay kind of locked are, to my are you side a clapper we, or a double uh, clapper i could be a i can clap i can move i can raise my hands but uh uh, if, if you're listening in, we're talking about when there's music on Sunday morning in church and there are hand uh, raisers, swayers, dancers, yeah, yep, clappers, chillers. single arm raisers, hand open people. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and it feels a little strange, but then I was thinking about how at sporting events and at concerts, like it's not strange at all. Uh, 50,000 yeah. people will raise their hands in the air and wave their lighters or these days their phone screens and. Um, and, and even embody yeah. a sense of communal singing and solidarity and, and celebrating something together. I, I saw I saw an article about the universal reaction to like uh, something going bad in sporting events and things. There is where people grab, oh, their, yeah. grab their head. There's mm-hmm. like this gesture that happens that people do in mass without thinking about it. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I think um, one we can put this in the show notes. Uh, Jamie Smith's book, You Are What You Love, which oh, is a... Yeah bit of a distillation of a three book series he wrote uh gets at this particular point so so well he, he talks about the mall it's kind of quaint now because uh malls are all going out of yeah, business and, and they now it's just amazon it. but uh talks about the mall and then he also talks about sporting and and and, and the idea of uh of the cathedral of the stadium mm-hmm. and i think it, i think it's compelling yeah. By the way, I did find that Howard Ross book it's uh it's called God Medicine and Suffering. Oh wow. Okay, drop that in. I'll drop it as there. well. Yeah, I I think um that aspect of worship you you haven't had a really like a hyper charismatic friend in your life who has used that against you who said, "You know what? You have no problem going to a Virginia Tech football game and going crazy, but when it comes to Jesus, you you don't even care." You haven't had that discussion. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> that's that's a, that's from the hyper charismatic friends. They will do that to you. I've I've heard it myself in person. All right, well, dogma. We have certain accepted absolutes. Priesthood. We go to people for knowledge and healing. Cathedrals. We do worship and praise. What about heretics? Uh, we we alluded to that earlier. Are there new heretics today? Well, I think they are. And you have a absolutizing of human freedom. Anyone who stands against that, um, let's just call them absolutists or those who believe in objective truth, objective morality, maybe that a man is a male and a male is a man, you then are a heretic. 
Um, I think Christians uh, are and will soon be seen more and more as dissenters and heretics to new style secular religion. Um, certain kind of Muslims, right? Um, because I think uh, in the mind of secular people, uh, they have a, a way they want Muslims to be, yeah. or they want them to believe. They want them to be secularized Muslims or something. But devotees in a non-secular way to the Prophet Muhammad, let's call them that, which is most Muslims, I think will be heretics uh, in the new secular religion. As long as they conform to secular society, it's okay. But if not, Christians, Muslims, uh, maybe Orthodox Jewish people, uh, maybe certain um, dogmatic political people uh, will be seen by some as political others and being heretics. And the sad thing is heretics are always treated poorly uh, by the dominant religious forces uh, for right or for wrong. And I think certainly that is uh, going to be the case more and more in secular new style religion. Now, I don't want to in any way intimate uh, that Christians, say, are being persecuted uh, in a way that that they're not. Because I think that sometimes uh, certain Christians who are used to being in a power or having ascendancy and say in American culture, uh, they look at everything as like, oh, they're going to be putting feeding Christians to the lions tomorrow. Now, there is a slow uh, erosion, I think, of religious freedoms that I think is coming around these absolutes, certainly sexual identity, sexual freedom, uh, things like abortion uh, that, that, are, that are coming for, say, the Christians someday. But for the most part, Christians have freedom of religion. There is a separation of church and state that's very real uh, in, in Western civilization. Now, people may come for that as well. Uh, we'll talk about how Christians should respond more to the end if you are ever labeled a heretic. Um, and what about militants? Uh, mili- are there militant forms of new style sex- secular religionists? Well, I think there are. I think we see them uh, in the media, um, maybe in the New York Times or, or Fox News. Uh, certainly social media has militants. Uh, the curtailing of free speech. They, is, the, the militants have driven me off of Facebook. Yeah, the militants on all sides. And Twitter. Yeah. I just stay away. It really is. Uh, unless you're there to encourage and build up and be a blessing. Uh, yeah, man. you can be like, there. I just, yeah, I have a hard time. Yeah, it is It is brutal. There's a there's a new bigotry from the militants where the, to- the, in, the tolerant can't tolerate the intolerant. Greg Kokel, who's an apologist uh, out in California, has a ministry called Standaries and gives a talk called The Intolerance of Tolerance. And I certainly think the militant are at play. Jesse, you mentioned you read this book called The Coddling of the American Mind. This came from an essay in 2015 in The Atlantic. It used to be called The Atlantic Monthly, but The Atlantic Magazine that was turned into a book that just got published last year. And I'm very impressed that you read it already because that's really fast reading when a brand new book comes out and you've already crushed it down. But the idea is that free speech is in danger in university settings because the militants, right, if you say anything that's out of bounds, um, then you then are told to shut up uh, and it's getting more hostile and violent on college campuses uh, for those who want to speak a political vision or view. I saw a video on Twitter uh, of an African-American uh, lady who was being chased around by Antifa, right, who a bunch of white kids telling the black lady that she was wrong about race or something, uh, which is kind of very I- ironic and odd. But the, the view was your view is not welcome here. 
and certainly the controversy surrounding maybe hyper conservatives uh, who are you know, Ben Shapiro. I'm not saying he's hyper conservative, but he's very conservative, very, very strong following in the way he's treated on college campuses compared to others. It seems or or like when Donald Trump was elected, all the universities having, you know, safe spaces with coloring. You know, you have coloring books for kids to come cry because of the political regime that they wanted perhaps wasn't elected. And so that kind of thing. Um, and certainly Donald Trump has has certainly <laughs> been a lightning rod on all sides for all things. Uh, and the militants have showed their militancy both on the right and the left uh, in these days. Yeah, and, and uh, just, a, just a plug for Coddling of the American Mind, definitely worth reading. Uh, these guys, they were primarily looking at the college campus and this creation of safe spaces, which they argue was done uh, in order to... Um, really to better uh, take care of people like there's there wasn't like this uh, agenda to um, undermine freedom of speech. It was in, in, the, in the beginning. In the you, beginning, yeah, the agenda right. was just we've got hurting kids. We want to protect them. People are saying crazy stuff. That, that's right. right. And yeah. but they make an argument that that it's very it's scientifically verifiable that what what's actually happening is counterproductive. That's right. Uh, that in coddling the the young minds of of college students they're actually making them uh, fragile. They're, they're, Weaker. they're weakening them. They're That's not right. teaching yeah. to think or resist ideas that might be bad or immoral. Then and yeah. you need that conviction to stand up at times against things that maybe you think are wrong. And you don't learn to do that by getting a coloring book when the candidate loses. Yeah. It's yep. They talk about the, the, their three untruths that they that they're arguing against the untruth of fragility, that what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. Right. The untruth of emotional reasoning, which is always trust your feelings that right. that's not true. We need to think. Yeah. Right. And then the untruth of us versus them, that it's always a battle between good and evil. Right. So it's that, a zero sum game zero battle sum to the game. death yep. of militants. Yep. Definitely worth a read. Yeah. The, the book starts out in an interesting way. I think this is the book uh, that starts out with a, a, a treatment of allergies and how people avoiding peanuts so strenuously to protect their children have actually made kids more vulnerable to yeah. peanut allergies because they're, they're not actually being exposed to things as they come up when they're young. And, and they take that metaphor, obviously, into the three things that you mentioned there, which we, we recommend the book. And these guys aren't like, you know, they're, they're academics, they're journalists, they're not... Um, I don't know. think they're particularly conservative. No, no, they're not like right-wing conspirators right, or anything right. like, like that sort of thing. So the militants... Don't coddle the American mind. So what does this leave us with, right? Um, well, the interesting thing about new school, new style, uh, secular religion is that I believe it starts to fight with itself and that there are coming and continuing internecine religious wars uh, amongst the new secular religionists that I think are, are unavoidable. And I just wanted to comment on a few just that I already see happening a little bit that I find interesting. First is gender wars. Uh, we have Nav Martina Navratilova, who's a lesbian, one of the b best women's tennis players in history, uh, come out against uh, transgender females, which is biological males, competing in female sports for issues of justice. We've actually had multiple episodes here on the Gospel Underground about this issue. But here you may have a, uh, a battle that's brewing between transgender, LGBTQ plus ABCD activists uh, with feminism. Feminism. For instance, what are we going to do with, say, certain uh, aspects of Title IX, which uh, empowers female, say, university college athletics, right? Um, say my daughters, what if they want to get a scholarship in soccer? 
and there's a biological male who's a transgender woman who is like way faster, way stronger, and they start giving these individuals college scholarships. So you might have a male taking away something that's been granted by law, uh, animated by feminism, from from actual girls. Or, and even saying that, I'm probably a heretic for saying actual girls because <laughs> males that are girls are actual girls even so much that they can get coverage in the health service in England, apparently for getting pap smears and things, and they have no uterus. This is potentially problematic. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, It's a snake eating its own tail already a little bit. So you sit back and see what happens when little girl scholarships are taken away by males uh, in sports. It could be interesting. Another interesting uh, battle, Jesse, that I've seen recently is the modernist, uh, versus the the postmodernists, right? Those who think reason can lead to objective truth and maybe science, and those who think that what reason eventually does is show us that we don't know anything and can't trust anything, uh, and even different ways or versions of being a scientism person, right? Uh, I've I've ran into this dust up recently uh, where a strong critique has been brought against the new atheism. Uh, the four horsemen, so to speak, of the new atheism, Sam Harris, Daniel Dennett, uh, Richard Dawkins, and Christopher Hitchens. Uh, they were writing uh, after 2001, after the uh, events with 9-11, there was kind of this brazen, bold publishing and speaking by these particular men, others as well, that kind of said, hey, we don't, we don't want to tolerate religion anymore. It's stupid. It's harmful. It's violent. It's evil. It should go away. And then uh, there, what has happened to them? So there's uh, there's another atheist, very much a free thinking atheist. Atheist, he doesn't think religion is good or tolerant or anything like that. Named P. Z. Myers, I think it's at University of Minnesota Morris, maybe, who's a biologist, who on uh, on the website freethoughtblogs.com, where he blogs, uh, has an has an article that came out in early 2019 called "The Train Wreck That Was the New Atheism." where he's basically thinks these guys are all out to lunch and the way that they've, uh, you know, Richard Dawkins become a social media troll. Uh, Dennett, who wrote Consciousness Explained, a naturalist who's kind of retired and kind of gotten out of the fray. Sam Harris is now kind of uh, allying with kind of, you know, this kind of alt-right kind of viewpoint and very much uh, kind of an outsider, uh, secularist, so to speak, and also gotten into kind of more uh, maybe naturalistic New Age spirituality and meditation. And so now the way to be an atheist, right, uh, has been very much a little internecine war that's kind of happening uh, and interesting to watch. Even made uh, in The Guardian in the U.K., uh, you know, looking at uh, what happened to the four horsemen of the new atheist apocalypse, uh, Dar- Dawkins and Hitchens and such. Hitchens obviously has passed away, so his voice is not active anymore. But that's a space to watch where the atheists may be turning on one another. Uh, in their own internecine religious warfare. Uh, certainly this one needs no introduction, political civil war. Ooh, CNN versus Fox News. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not even, I'm not even kidding. Yeah. Um, while we were in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, in our little hotel, um, Casey and I were watching. We were trying to see news coverage on the Sri Lankan bombings mm-hmm. of, the Easter, of the Easter worshipers. And we're really shocked how little... Um, coverage was being given to this because the Mueller report was on mm. every kind of 24-hour news cycle channel. 
But flipping back between Fox News and, and on any dial, whatever whatever service you're using, typically Fox News, MSNBC, CNN are going to be located somewhat close to each other. So you can actually flip back and forth pretty easily. And we flip back and forth between Fox News and MSNBC. Just hearing the the coverage of the Mueller report was a fascinating cultural sociological experiment because you got all right wing people almost on one show, all literally all Democrats on the other show, and completely different conclusions, mm. almost but diametrically opposed. And so, we are at a place now in our political process where the rancor, and I don't know, man. People would say, when did this start? Right? People, yeah. You know, I read books about Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson, and the hate ain't new. Right. Trying to ruin people's careers, throwing people under buses. I think this is the nature of politics. Right. Um, you negotiations with a lightsaber, maybe from the Star Wars universe. Um, I think it's always been this way. But, man, it just seems to me. Right. That we are an all out now political civil war in our society. And it just doesn't seem to be easing that we need more. I don't know what to call it. Level headed kindness, c- civility. Um, virtue in the way we discuss how we go about ruling together, which in a you know republic, a republic or a elected democracy kind of culture, we need to do that better. But man, I'm not I'm not encouraged by the way these things are going at all. Uh, certainly, the political space is something that's become very unattractive for many because of this reason. But at the same time, people are reengaging and becoming part of resistances and, you know, this and that. And my goodness, it's crazy. I mean, don't you think at least some of this? So uh, some of this, I think you're right, is the uh, the emptying out of the core of uh, really even of civility or the idea that we we ought to be civil rather than just express ourselves. But some of it has to just be. A hundred years ago, you couldn't jump on Twitter and and have yeah. ten thousand people hear what yeah. you say or a million people. Yeah, to get your pamphlets out or something, right? And so, or yeah. argue with the four people at the pub that you're right, right, fear right. With. Maybe punch each other out in the and alleys, then, and then it's over. Yeah. And yeah. you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think the creation of our own hands in terms of mass communication has has certainly uh, enabled both mass um, informed citizenry but also mass deception and disinformed citizenry we don't know how to solve this problem yet um, and certainly everyone's putting Facebook Google Twitter in the in the crosshairs but it's also uh, the lack of virtue the lack of agreed upon sense of meaning in a society yeah. which is very new right um, yep. even in the Reformation whatever the you know I forget where the phrase comes from whoever the gods that's worshipped here is the god of the king. There's an old phrase in Latin of that. Um, what, we have a multiplicity of gods that disagree with each other in our new style society, and man, it just doesn't seem like there's agreement that's come about e- easily. Um, another another uh, internecine uh, scrap is Islamophobia versus Islamic ignorance. Uh, some that would just say anything Muslim, right? Oh, it's bad. And others that would say, oh, Muslims are just about peace, uh, maybe ignorant of some of the history. I I found a profound ignorance in our society of the history between Islam and the West and what it's actually been since the time of the prophet onward. Um, I, I, I read two books not too long ago, one called The Enemy at the Gate, The Habsburgs, The Ottomans, and The Battle for Europe. Uh, we're quite literally at the gates of Vienna, Austria. Uh, the, 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 the Ottoman hordes had to be fought back in battle. 
uh, Lest Europe Become is Islamic. Um, and certainly another book, Empires of the Seas, uh, The Contest for the Center of the World by Roger Crowley, dealt with the same two empires, the clash of European empires with uh, the Ottoman Empire in the Mediterranean Sea in the Battle of Lepanto, which kind of ended the, the, the dominance in the sea incursion by the, by the Ottomans. And man, there is some history where Islam has been an expansive uh, political, no separation between church and state movement, and it was only stopped by really two things, battle uh, and intellectual work by, say, European philosophers and thinkers. Certainly one thinks of Thomas Aquinas in the Middle Ages. Immigration, when people become American, what do they become today? And I think that's been politicized, which has been a beautiful part of our history. Uh, immigration and being a culture and context, a, a country of immigrants, certainly now. What does that mean? It's being politicized. And then the last warfare I see is consumer fragmentation. And this one I'm not going to spend a lot of time on because we could spend all day on it. Uh, but other words, we've created a side where that autonomy and freedom is creating micro-focused entertainment for us. So Netflix, you get what you like on Netflix, it'll show you what mm. I like. Uh, so in the things we read, consume, the things we do online, the people we follow on Twitter can become an echo chamber where we become these micro-created, fragmented communities. And we do it with everything. We do it with morality. What do you? What's true for you? What's good for you? You decide. Our politics, we decide. We wreck our own families through our individualistic preferences and community. We're building what I call micro-selves, right? We're self-creators now. Uh, creating our bucket list, creating our experiences by which we will define ourselves and understand ourselves in our lives. And we're only left to, well, then how do we live together? I don't know. Maybe we do what the late philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche said. You end up with will to power. Mm. Uh, I, I smell a future podcast here. Maybe we'll do something the, the, on consumer fragmentation. Yeah, the, mi the, the, the micro-curated life. Yeah, let's do it. I, and, and, and let's be honest. I love my micro-curated <laughs> life. Right? That's why it works. I have my audible audio books that I like, and I have my genres of things that I like. Oh, yeah. And um, I get advertisements on stuff, and I'm like, how did they, why are they, oh, actually, this looks cool. Why I'll do I want to buy this on Instagram? <laughs> this is amazing. I need the Ridge wallet. How did they know I needed this wallet? How do they know my wallet is tearing up, and this wallet costs $99 and costs uh, too much money, but it's made of microfiber. What do we do, man? The, the the unified shared source. You tell of me. What do we do? And meaning. Uh, well, thankfully, <laughs> I don't know, man. We we do a podcast for all of you out there, the the, the thousands of listeners of the Gospel Underground who want to interact on mm. the borderlands between church and culture, um, is a community. So what do we do? Well, I have five paths for Jesus people as we close, and I'm just going to read these because we need to wrap up here soon. We need to hold fast to the words of God, the source of truth and authority. We also need to hold forth, number two, the words of God to others, because we are a missional people living out the mission of Jesus to go and make disciples of all peoples. Uh, we need to learn, specifically in America, what marginalized faithfulness looks like. Blessed are you when you are persecuted. We need to re mm. re rediscover courage to not be in power or to be empowered in a different way. Uh, four, um, Bradley Wilcox wrote a book called Soft Patriarchs, New Men. I think we need a revival in biblical uh, masculinity. I'm not going to say patriarchy because I'll get labeled a heretic, um, but men who exist to serve others and use their strength for good, not for toxicity. And then finally, 
Number five, we need revivals of church, of marriage, and family. And I'm not saying that that should lead us to the Benedict option. I am saying that it does mean we should care locally for who we are, how we love, how we exist in this culture, this eclectic culture where there is a rising religion, new style religion, on the secular world. The Monaghan option. <laughs> the Monaghan option. Well, to be quite frank, yeah, let's uh, let's let's live a gospel underground. Yep. Where there's faithfulness to Jesus together Amen. in communities as we go forth, and that will find overlapping with the culture where we're going to agree with leftist secularists and we're going to agree at times with rightist secularists and we're going to disagree with all of them because we are a people of, we are the people of God by covenant the new covenant in Messiah Jesus Christ risen from the dead that we celebrated whether you call it Easter or not I don't care <laughs> but we celebrate the new age coming through the resurrection the first fruits from the dead amen any thoughts as we close here today, Jesse? Oh, this was really helpful to me. Yeah, this was helpful. I, I, I think that this is, and I, I'd like to devote another episode to unpack some of this stuff, particularly interested in the idea of the, the consumer fragmentation and, yeah. uh, and how that might, uh, be part of the, uh, the kind of, uh, religious war of the future could be part of the problem and yeah. part of the solution. Let's yeah. just hope we know, n- never get to a, a society that has necessary uh, the purge. <laughs> well, Jesse, man, let's do it. Let's let's explode this over the next few, maybe few months, and look at some of these things more in detail, both in the analyzing of the culture, but also in our paths for us as people. The Fury option, the Monahan option. Yeah, we really should take a look at that in light of this, because I think that one of, one of the things that um, that was so captivating about uh, Dreher's book, The Benedict Option was the idea of a strategic uh, withdrawal from pursuing power or, uh, or holding on to, maybe is a better word, uh, cultural power. You mentioned that like uh, in, in, in America and in the West, Christianity isn't, isn't, it's not really a persecuted people group. It's just that we, we feel it when we lose our position of power. Like it feels like, hey, you're calling us Easter worshipers. Right. Like that's not a persecution. That's just like a, uh, you know, we, we don't have the privilege that we had, the power that we had right. the culturally and, uh, and to embrace it and to become a countercultural faithful to God community, uh, I think is compelling. And, and, uh, and so, you know, not that I'm, I'm not on board all the way, but, yeah. but I think I, that there's some truth there. I think the fault lines that we must walk well is that there has to be a retrenchment into the things that are good, right, and true while there's an engagement for justice in the world. And we have to keep both of those. Yeah. And the, the biggest critiques that I've seen, the most compelling critiques of the Benedict option have been from marginalized people who who need the public space uh, to be a more just and humane and place Amen. of opportunity. And so and Christians certainly care to be working for justice for all in a biblical sense, but not tucking away our uniqueness as the people of God where the Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change and the Bonhoeffer House Hoof it review us on iTunes five stars are acceptable get them up there send your feedbacks comments or questions that you might want us to take up here on the Underground or maybe even label us heretics in some way hopefully not in a theological way because we would not like that but we, would, we don't want to be that we'll send all those questions to info at gospelunderground.org. We'd love to hear from you. We are dialogue taking place in the borderlands 
between the church and secular new style religion. We hope to see you out there. Peace.